Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Delight to welcome you into the Fairways of Life show from wherever you are joining us. Well, the week that was was a defining one for the PGA Tour because the Tour Championship wrapped up the season. Now, remember, this was the last year in which the PGA Tour would have a wraparound season, one that started, of course, back in 2022 and concluded this past weekend. And the Tour Championship ended up being a race to the end although the end saw the dominance of Victor Hovland. Now, he had won the week prior, and he kept that good form going into the Tour Championship. His numbers and his accomplishments are getting quite impressive indeed for this young man. Still only 25 years old, 11 months in nine days. He has now won six times on the PGA Tour in 98 Starts. He becomes the fourth player in the history of this event to win the BMW Championship and the FedEx Cup in the same season. He joins the likes of Tiger Woods, Billy Horschel, and Patrick Cantlay with that. He becomes the third youngest player from outside the USA with three or more wins in the same season on the PGA Tour. He joins Rory McIlroy and Hideki Matsuyama in that distinction. He becomes the eighth player to win consecutive FedEx Cup playoff events. He joins John Rahm, who has won four times with three or more victories in the season that was. He joins Henrik Stenson in 2013, Rory McIlroy three times, and Justin Rose in 2018 as players from Europe to win the FedEx Cup. His five strokes marks the largest margin of victory in the FedEx Cup starting strokes era. Remember, this is the third time that we have had this new scoring to come into the event. And with his final round, seven under 63, he sets the tournament record for a low finish by a winner. The previous was a 64 by Retif Goosen going all the way back to 2004, and then Rory McIlroy matched it in 2016. He improves to three for four in converting 54-hole leads or co-leads leading to victory, and he's the 23rd 54-hole leader or co-leader to win the Tour Championship. When he wrapped up, Victor Hovland spoke to the media about what his initial thoughts were as the new FedEx Cup champion. It's been a great year, just kind of I feel like I've taken a lot of steps this season, uh, contending in, in more major championships. I finally won in the U.S. I won a big tournament, Jack's event. And um, honestly, after that, I felt like I've, I've gotten so much better, and it was uh, very pleasing to see. And then, obviously, the last couple of weeks have just uh, um, superseded that. It's been, uh, it's been pretty surreal. Um, you know, it seems like, obviously, you dream about it, but it's... It, these things happen when you don't really expect them to. Uh, so it was, it's, uh, yeah, it's just awesome to be sitting here. Uh, yeah, the game plan kind of, um, as I was talking to Joe, my instructor, um, the game plan was trying to play as boring as possible. Um, you know, just trying to play like Tiger back in the day when he would post the 69 or a 70 in a major championship and, and walk away with a victory. Um, 
Um, obviously, it was, was sweet to, to make a birdie on the first hole and, and make a really clutch par save on number two. And after that, I, I felt really in control of my game. But even, even being, I think I was four under through six, and even then, Xander just kept pouring it on. And, and suddenly, after I missed those couple of short birdie putts on the back nine, early on the back nine, I uh, suddenly the, the lead was at three. And if I missed that putt on 14, it's suddenly two. So what he was, was he would do, was he was, what he was doing today was very special and uh, uh, certainly made this day a lot more stressful than I, I felt like it should have been after that start. I'd say even as an amateur, um, I was lucky enough to, to play a couple of PGA Tour events as an amateur. I played a couple of majors as an amateur. And that experience was really good for me because I, I'm very hard on myself. And I, I felt like even though I had the game to compete, I never truly believed it. Um, but after I had a couple of nice finishes in those professional events as an amateur, I, I started to believe a little bit more. I came out on tour, I, I got my card right away um, and kept on just putting up good finishes. And that's when I kind of believed that, man, I, I don't have to play my best game and, and still be up there and still be really competitive. Um, but at the, at, at the time, I didn't have all the tools. And ever since then, I've just kind of improved all the time. I've just gotten better and better every single year. And uh, with that comes the belief. And I feel like the belief was the, the last missing piece. Congratulations, Victor. When did you think you really had this thing won today with Xander coming, you know, at you all day? And um, just talk about that huge putt on 14, please. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked to have made those couple putts last night. Uh, I was thinking about that. I had such a hard time falling asleep because I was like, man, if I make that putt on 17 and 18, I have an eight-shot lead. That's a that's a lot different from a six-shot lead. Um, even though I felt like I was playing great, I, I knew it was still possible with a six-shot lead. If I can I can play fine and shoot one or two under, or even just even par and play fine and still get beat by someone like Sander because he's such a good player. He obviously loves this golf course and he put up a 62 today and. Um, you know, even with that start, I was four under through six, and I, I still didn't feel like I I had the tournament won because there's so much thing, so much that can happen on the back nine, and and uh, you know, if I if I missed the putt on 14, uh, it could have been a different story. So um, yeah, it was just it was just a long day. What's been the significance of adding Joe Mayo to your team? Yeah, it's been he's been awesome. Um, I've known him for a long time. And we've been texting back and forth for a long time, but not really about the golf golf swing. Just we've always had a great relationship. He's uh, he's a very interesting guy, and and uh, I like just picking people's brains. And he's he's an interesting brain to pick. Um, and uh, ever since he's been on the team, um, it's been it's been great to have someone kind of look at my game from a completely different standpoint. Um, you know, he kind of came into, because he's, I mean, he might be one of the only golf instructors that never watches golf. So when he came on board, he had no idea how I played, what I was doing, what it looked like. So he kind of had a fresh set of eyes. And, um, yeah, he, he's, he's just brought a lot of 
math and physics through my golf game, and, and uh, we just applied that, put a lot of hours in, and, and um, funny enough, it works. I can't point to a single or a specific moment, but it's just when I start to see the short game kind of come around and I believe I have all the shots, I just saw the, the shots that I was able to, to pull off in tournaments in, in highly stressful situations, uh, coupled that with the course management stuff and the just the attitude, just handling bad bounces, handling bogeys, handling bad shots, just those three aspects combined when I started to see that I, I just I just I wasn't stressed when I showed up to a, a golf tournament or a golf course it was like okay whatever happens happens I might play bad and that's okay but I, I, it, I, I didn't feel like even today it wasn't like man I I hope the double cross with the driver doesn't show up today I hope I don't three putt today I hope I don't chunk the chips today you know it that might happen but it's okay um, and I think just as soon as I made that mindset change, everything started to kind of come together. Well, I will say I'm, I'm a pretty analytical person, and I do like to try new things because it's fun. You never know what's going to be on the other side of that door. But it's not like I try new things willy-nilly, and usually there's, there's at least a somewhat reasonable hypothesis before you try something new. And I give it a couple of chances. Okay, it didn't work out. We'll, we'll scrap that. But if you see an improvement, it's like, okay, hang on. We're on to something. Let's go down this rabbit hole and see where it leads. And uh, I think that's, uh, I've been very beneficial having smart people around me that are able to at least guide me down the, the smart rabbit holes and not get, um, you know, lost in, in, in the uh, perimeters. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's already uh, 8.30 here. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get some, some good dinner and, and uh, have a couple drinks and just kind of enjoy. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been a long week and sweated so much this week, so I'm, I'm kind of just getting ready to, to take it easy and just soak it all in. Victor Hovland is a really easy guy to be a fan of, and I think it's really cool that we're able to watch his ascent as a player Uh, as a contender and now a winner of really big tournaments right before our eyes. He even mentioned at the start of that sound with the press that he's doing better and better in major championships. How long might it be before uh, the knock on the door is actually answered there as well? Now, for the battle that was on that Sunday, Xander Shoffley played so well. He's the 2017 uh, Tour Championship winner. Uh, He finishes runner-up for the 12th time in 161 starts on tour. He closed with an 8-under par 62. That was his 28th consecutive round of par or better at the Tour Championship in his many attempts. That is the longest active streak. So for Xander Shoffley, obviously the, the question there, what are your feelings after shooting a 62, getting it at one point to within three strokes, but ultimately settling five shots back? He played great. I uh, didn't do enough. Uh, like I said yesterday, I thought 62 would have let me get close to him, but um, I think the closest I got to was three, uh, three shots back, and uh, he just he played he played unbelievably well. He made important putts, um, and he just played like a champ. I'm sure we would have messed up a few uh, best ball groups today uh, if him and I were on the same team. I can tell you that much. I'll hold my head up high. Uh, it was 
it was the most fun I had losing in, in quite some time. Um, you know, it's such a it's a weird feeling. I shot 62. I lost by five. Uh, it, just kudos to, to, to Javi. He played unbelievably well the last you know few weeks to get himself into this position and to really just put a cherry on top for himself and his team. I think he's managing his ball a little bit better. He's such a good iron player. He goes for a lot of pins. He hits a lot of fairways. So um, when he's in a bad spot, he plays away from the pin. His short game's gotten a lot better. Um, and yeah, like I said, I mean, he made. I had a chance to get to two, and he made that bomb on 15, which which really hurt. Um, and that was sort of what I felt like. I was I was charging all day, and I felt like that really put a stop stop to me. Yeah, it's five weeks away, so. Um, I'm gonna take some time off, and I'm gonna have to rebuild that confidence uh, to come come Italy in the Ryder Cup. But yeah, I think um, it, it's it's definitely. Uh, I think we're working on my team and I. We're working on the right stuff, you know, to get these results. Um, kind of playing sort of whatever coming into the playoffs to, to sort of peak and play really well at, at the right time is is important. And so I think we're working on the right things. The five weeks away that he was referring to in that sound with the media, of course, is the Ryder Cup, which we're going to be talking about coming up on the program in just a little bit. For Rory McIlroy, he finished on 14 under par in fourth position. For Rory McIlroy, uh, it was his 10th consecutive top 10 finish on tour. That is the longest streak that he has had in his career. Let's find out what was on Rory's mind after he got done. Yeah, you know, hung in there the first couple of days when I really wasn't feeling great, and then... Um, you know, quite a bit of improvement yesterday and then, you know, felt, you know, could actually tee the driver up a bit today and hit a couple of couple of tee shots in the air and felt like I could cover the ball more with my irons. So um, just excited that I'm feeling better. So, you know, that's that's good going into the next few weeks and, you know, nice to sign off with a with a good score. Um, yeah, probably a, a few more like rehab sort of exercises and just making sure that like this right side is is you know stabilized um yeah it sort of you know it started upper right back worked its way down to the lower back and now today i feel it if anything in the hip and in the glutes so it's just sort of working its way down trying to you know hopefully by the end of the week it sort of works its way out but um yeah it's it's much better so you know just take it easy and um you know, maybe hit a few balls sort of closer to the weekend next week to get ready for Ireland. So, you know, probably put the clubs away for three or four days and uh, make sure that, you know, everything body-wise is good and, um, you know, start up again and get ready for the, the next few weeks. Yeah, I think we're all excited. Um, you know, there's a lot of us that were in that team uh, at Whistling Straits and that didn't feel very nice, didn't feel good. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited, you know, excited to get back over to Europe. We're all sort of making our way over to Europe a couple weeks early. So it'll be nice to, you know, all get together, get some early team dinners before the week in Rome and um, sort of really feel like that that sort of team chemistry is um, is starting already. So, yeah, I think we're all excited. We're all, you know, for the most part, playing really good. And, um, you know, we're, you know, there's still a, a few weeks to go. But, yeah, I mean, it's the it's the next big thing in all of our calendars. A basketball team could go 82 and 0 and lose in the first round of the playoffs. You know, that's if we're if that's the sort of competitive environment that we're trying to create. Then, you know, I would say more. You know, John Ram finished second in the regular season in the Comcast Top 10, and I think as that might become more prevalent as the years go on and more money gets put into the regular season as well. You know, it's it's almost like two different 
two different competitions, two different events. You've got the regular season and you've got the playoffs. And um, I think everyone tries to put them together in the same sort of thing. Um, but really, they're like regular season. And then this is sort of like a 12, 12 run sprint to the finish. Uh, last couple of comments there from Rory McIlroy. Of course, he was talking about the Ryder Cup when he was saying it's going to be great to get back to Europe. He's going back to Ireland uh, and then get together as a team and start to build some of that team chemistry. So once again, all of these stories and, and, and themes that are running through the different comments are surrounding the Ryder Cup on the PGA Tour side, and rightfully so. And it's the same thing on the women's side with the Solheim Cup. That also is coming together. We're going to be talking about that as the show proceeds here today. The last thing that he was talking about was the staggered start of the Tour Championship, which which I still think the PGA Tour needs to work on that. Uh, I think that the last few years, they've basically gotten lucky that the person that started on 10 under didn't play great, so they were overtaken and it became a tight competition. But I think from an outsider looking in, if if you were, and I always, the standard I always put on it is if you were sitting watching this at a bar and someone is, say, a casual fan of golf, you know, maybe maybe they're an ardent fan of, of other sports, football or whatever, and it's on and someone goes, wait a minute, this is Thursday morning, he's 10 under? That doesn't seem to make any sense. Now, again, the tour matched it up to points and converted it from points, which was even more confusing, into a starting point of strokes, and that's how they came up with this idea of a staggered start on 10 under par. But I still think there's something more that can be done to it, and it comes down to what Rory was talking about there. Many sports like the English Premier League, you win the regular season, you've won it all. Or do you want to have... A playoffs, such again as when we're talking about football, you could barely squeeze in, and if you play well enough during that finishing stretch, you can win it all. So where do you find the balance with those two? It is not easy, but a deep congratulations to Victor Hovland with the run that he went on during the playoffs and coming up and winning it all with that FedEx Cup. Okay, as mentioned, as the Fairways of Life show continues today, we're going to talk more about the Solheim Cup. We're going to talk more about the Ryder Cup because the picture is becoming very, very clear as we march closer and closer to tee shots being struck at both of those events. The Fairways of Life show is presented by the number one golf retailer in America, the PGA Tour Superstore. More than 60 big, beautiful stores spread out from coast to coast. Another great place to see all that they have on offer is at PGA Tour Superstore. Com. Find your happy place and shop with the pros. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf.
It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I have ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date. And they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show, folks. Pleasure to have your company. So Earl Forsey and Dennis Paulson were anchoring the PGA Tour radio coverage of the Tour Championship. And you can hear PGA Tour radio week in and week out on the PGA Tour, on PGATour.com, as well as the PGA Tour app, uh, or if you subscribe to the National Satellite Service, Sirius XM. And just to kind of wrap a bow on everything that was uh, Earl and DP, uh, another season, gents, uh, as you say, in the books. Well, Matt, another FedEx Cup playoffs, another PGA Tour season is in the books. And, man, what a finish to the year for the new FedEx Cup champ, Victor Hovland. Dennis Paulson was alongside the entire week for the Tour Championship. You talk about an impressive run, Dennis, and really it's a run that started a week ago with the 61 at Olympia Fields to win the BMW Championship. He just kept things going this week. 27 under par, Victor Hovland wins going away at the Tour Championship to capture the FedEx Cup. Really incredible, the golf that he played. Because the golf course, I mean, we didn't have it easier because we had weather that came in and the greens were super soft and it wasn't a bad growing season and there wasn't any rough. This golf course was playing about as difficult as it could play. We didn't have a whole lot of win. That's the one thing that we didn't have this week. But the scoring was incredible for Victor Hovland and Xander Schauffele to do what they did this week. Got to give yourself... Give Xander a little credit, too, not only for the 62 today to really push Victor to get that win. He finished six clear of the next best player. And you just go down the leaderboard, fifth place was 13 under par. 13 under par. Patrick Cantlay, he lapped him. 
The winner lapped him, finishing 27 under par. That's incredible. Xander Shoffley started the day, the final round, in second. If he'd have shot 59, he still wouldn't have won. I mean, that's how good Victor Hovland's week and the last couple of weeks has been. So, 25-year-old from Oslo, Norway, now one of the best players in the game of golf and the best player in the PGA Tour with a FedEx Cup title now, Dennis. Yeah, there's a lot of people that can be critical that everybody should start at zero, so, 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 so. Well, what? guess what happens? Those guys shot the same score. But I think the year does matter. When you play 20 to 30 weeks for the entire season, the, the, the year's got to mean something. And I think the players are pretty fair with that. This is a celebration, Earl. This is really a celebration of the best players in the world getting an opportunity to showcase their their skills, and, man, were they on display. Let me ask you about a couple of other players. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, again, second straight year. He starts uh, the week in the lead. He couldn't hang on to it in the first round. He lost it, and, you know, Scheffler ends up finishing 16 shots back, another disappointing tour championship for him. Even though he's world number one, it's going to be a disappointing look back for him again from Atlanta. Yeah, he, he shot one under par this week. That That's what his scores were. He did not have his game with him this week mostly he it was a little loose for him ball striking wise but his his elite level this year was incredible how well he played week in and week out and the putter he's got to figure this out he's missing a lot of putts inside of 10 feet some of them are misread some of them are speed but some of them are really bad strokes and he's got to figure this out in the off season he, he was last the in the field dennis and you know what his final number was strokes game putting negative 5.5 Best player in the world. Can't You can't make up for that in, against the best players in the game. It just wasn't enough again this week. Rory McIlroy came in with a back issue and really didn't have his best stuff. Finished strong, though. The, you know, the finish of a champion shot, 65 at the end, finished fourth for the week. But it's got to be disappointing that he wasn't fully healthy to defend his FedEx Cup title. Oh, absolutely. The, the, the big thing, you know, he shot five under par today. I think that was probably the third best round of the, on the golf course the best round of golf with the exception of the final group. That was an absolute clinic what they did. But uh, Rory, he likes this golf course. He loves this tournament, and he was there. And I really, it was one of those things where didn't it look like to you, Earl, that maybe it was a coin flip that he was even going to finish that round of golf? He was struggling mightily in that opening round. I mean, he dropped the club probably 10 times with an iron shot, dropping it as soon as he hit it because his body just didn't let him sit at that angle with an iron he swung the driver okay didn't have the speed but the irons were really discomforting for him and he hung out there hung in there and ends up finishing fourth yeah and really a week uh, Matt let's face it even Rory McIlroy no matter if he was healthy how well you played it was going to be tough to beat Victor Hovland we haven't seen this impressive a run in a couple of weeks in a while Victor Hovland wins the BMW championship then wins the tour championship and now is the FedEx Cup champ and, gents, we want to say thank you to you for everything that you've done throughout the course of the season for all of us collectively. Uh, Earl, it was the vast majority of the time hosting all of the coverage of PGA Tour Radio. Earl, you and your team do a brilliant job week in and week out bringing us the coverage from wherever we are around the continent, wherever we are around the world. And we thank you very, very much collectively for everything that you guys do. It is, like I said, absolutely brilliant and very very much appreciated okay uh, there is a lot coming in 
uh, right now, Dom, I'm sure, on a, on a number of different subjects. We have a lot more still yet to go through. I want to go through what happened in Canada with the Women in the Victory by Megan Kang. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Solheim Cup because that, so we're, we're sitting right on the edge of that being finalized. On the U.S. side, we have more information as to who it looks like will be on the team. There is a little bit of a question about Rose Zhang, but that will be uh, confirmed in about 30, 31 minutes from now when the Rolex rankings get updated. I uh, want to talk about the timing for the Ryder Cup because the United States Ryder Cup team is going to be uh, secured and settled down this week as well. Uh, so what are you hearing from the people so far this morning, Dom? Oh, there's a lot coming in. I think part of it is reaction to the Tour Championship and Victor Hovland's play. The question of the day is, do you like the Tour Championship format? Oh. Yes, no, and then I put a third option that said it's awful, and I have the answer with a write-in option. Right now it's 67% no, which I don't think is surprising because I think almost collectively the golf world seems to think it doesn't seem like anybody has the actual answer, but everyone's in agreement. It needs to be continued to be tweaked. I mean, the playoffs have been tweaked for uh, how long? When was the first year? 2007? Yeah. It's almost been 20 years, and they've changed it quite a bit in that time. Uh, so let's just read through a couple of these things coming in. We've got time to – you can bounce back and forth with me, Matt. We've got time to go over plenty of this stuff, and I'll, I'll get to some of it. Uh, wow, it doesn't seem that long ago since he won the USAM at Pebble Beach, Wayne says. Obviously talking about Victor Hovland. Ten professional wins now, by the way, Matt, to his name. Six tour wins, two, uh, two uh, DP World Tour wins. Still pretty young guy. He has really worked hard on his short game. Mm, yes, something is in that, he says. The PGA Tour would be struggling uh, without the European guys out there in the field, says Robert. Um, Victor and Xander making Eastlake look pretty tame, Cindy said. And then the, you've got people commenting about the, the format issue. The, the, the minus 10, et cetera, start is ridiculous compared to other sports, Paul says. The European team is, again, we're talking about Ryder Cup. Again, this is typical, right? They're going all over the place. European team will have a better depth this year. Robert says, yes, the format needs to change big time. As a Ricky Fowler fan, I'm really glad to see him back, not all the way back, but back in the top 10 or 20 players on the PGA Tour. The team Europe, Michael says, will be thin on players 9 through 12, but their first three or four are arguably better than the U.S. top four. Andrew's putting up on the screen there for you the, the current European Ryder Cup standings. Obviously, this is not in stone by any means. You can see it's structured by European Tour points and World points. Where you see the asterisks, three from each list, those are the auto automatic qualifying spots. Those players have not automatically qualified yet, although Rory and John Rahm have. This week is the Omega European Masters. That is the last tournament for players to qualify for the European Ryder Cup team. So this that list of players you see will be locked down on, on Sunday evening, essentially. But that gives you a sense of, of what Michael is talking about with the players on the end being thin. You know, Victor Perez, Rasmus Horgaard, Alex Noren. I don't know if you qualify that as thin, Matt, but that's obviously what he's referencing. This FedEx Cup format works, 
as proven by Victor and Xander, David says. How many strokes do they have to make up on Scotty? I don't remember where they started, Matt, but obviously they made up strokes on him. Scheffler struggled a little bit. I mean, remember Colin Morikawa made up. Colin Morikawa was nine strokes nine back when he started. Nine shots in the first started. day, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's sixty-one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. So it's it's what totally I'm saying doable, is the the, is, the issue. My my problem with the format is unless you have extraordinary scoring. Now, someone could make an argument, and I I don't even think I'd argue with them if they if they said no, no, the format causes players to have to do extraordinary things. Okay like shoot a 61 or shoot a 62, et cetera, these crazy scores that we saw, which were fantastic, uh, to overcome. But you still need help from the top. So whoever that top player is coming in, you still need them to slow down. I think the problem is going to be is when you have a player on a hot streak that's coming in as number one and they start at 10 under par and they start to go out and they shoot a 63, 64, 65, 62 combination, it's going to look pretty ridiculous because they're just going to blow away the field. If you look at the performance for the week, the top two guys who performed the best were the two guys who finished the best. They both finished in 19 under par, uh, did Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley. If it was a real tournament, they would have gone into a tournament. When I say real tournament, I mean in terms of, of not having staggered points. So Traditional scoring, yeah. A traditional scoring, yeah. I just think it's it – somebody, somebody mentioned it. You know, if if they compared it to, you know, other sports, traditional sports, I just think golf has to work hard at not seeming irregular in terms of how they do things or not seeming like it's convoluted or or, or overly complicated in terms of its structure. Uh, somehow it, we should be able to structure it such that they get to the point where just like in any other game, you don't start a baseball game where one team has a lead or an, uh, over another or a football game or any other sport just doesn't happen. So it's confusing to people who are casual fans. I hope that most golf fans understand it. I'm still not convinced that all of them do. I think some of them still come in and go, really? And my bigger question is with, with the Tour Championship and the entire FedEx Cup playoffs is, we know that it's important to players. I get it. Is that enough? Is it important to you? Now, granted, the people that are listening to us or watching us on the television side, you guys are watching a golf show. I, I'm, I'm presuming that you're already on, on the inside, in essence, kind of the core of the game from, from a fan's perspective or otherwise. So where does this event fall? And, and, and what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, you've got, obviously you've got the four majors, which are the pinnacle of our game. Then you've got the players, which fall someplace close to that. Right there's those that will tell you that the players is the fifth major. Okay, whatever. It, it, it's it's a big event. We all agree to that. It's a big event. So, from that standpoint, and then you got the BMW PGA Championship on the European side. I don't know where that falls in the hierarchy. I know it's very important on the DP World side, uh, DP World Tour. So, those are some big events. Now you're going to have these signature events. Those are big events. How and where do we define the FedEx Cup playoffs? Has anybody really looked at it and said, okay, I see this as being the same as when NASCAR started their playoffs, which everyone said that was originally what we're talking about years ago, but that was originally what the PGA Tour looked at and said, oh, yeah, we need a playoff system at the end of the year. I guess the broader question I'm asking is not – 
just about the tour championship, but about the playoffs. Do they mean something? Do they matter to you guys? Uh, are they connecting correctly? I'm not convinced that they are. And as Dom said, as, as we started this segment, when we were looking to see what your comments are on various things, it seems like there's a consensus to go, yeah, it's not quite right. There's something, there's something missing. But it's hard for us to put a finger on exactly what it is. Uh, do you, Dom, you get hearing anything back uh, relative to that comments that are coming in? Um, let's see. Uh, again, the folks are talking about various subjects, but I'll see if I can find. They should uh, they should just play the tour championship as a regular tournament, and the winner is just the leader in points accrued after it's over. Scotty has the putting yips. That's <laughs> just okay. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, the FedEx system has to change. If the PGA Tour can't make it easy for the layperson and casual fan to understand how the playoff system works, then the thing must be broken. Are there any... Well, it just switched on me. That's kind of what I'm saying. I'm not necessarily saying it's broken, but I do think they need to tweak it. Because I I just think it's... Are there any signature events that are match play? No, there are not. Not currently. No. I think the average golf fan understands, David says. Bring Do back the I don't know the answer to that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that David said that because I, that's very much a question in my mind. Playoffs don't matter as there are no real stakes attached. The golf hierarchy are more concerned with making sure the big stars are around on the weekend than creating a real playoff system. I think there's something I don't to have a problem. that. That's from Strider. I don't have any problem with that, with that, that opinion, I, but, but, my, but the next step would be, okay, well, what's missing? That's really what I'm getting at. I guess my question for you, and I guess the audience at large, is is more specific than that. It's, are you trying to get the fans to care? Are you trying to get the sponsors to care? Or are you trying to get the players to care? Because I think the solution is different for each one of those three. Well, the players care. That I can attest to. I, I've, I've no, been there. I, I've I seen don't the... think that they do. I think they care about the money and the status. So if you, get, if you make oh, it to the caring. Tour Championship, right, you get a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, but they're not caring about the competition. Like if you ask uh, whoever how much money they make when they win the Masters, I don't even think money is even – Well, we, I mean they, we they saw – They the Masters I, every day. I sent you this weekend, Dom. zero dollars. I sent you this weekend the sound from John Rahm where he said his pet peeve is the focus on the money. And one of the issues that I have with where we're at now, and, and I understand how it happened. That. It was the tour's reaction to live because live the, we know the players are playing for huge amounts of money and the players will talk to us about the pressure that that causes upon them for these huge amounts of money, particularly because they have a team format. That's part of what live is doing. So that connects. That seems to make sense to me. So then we came into the tour championship where the PGA tour in their effort to control the image of the game and of the players they went to FedEx Cup points. We no longer had a money list. Let's not talk about money. Let's talk about FedEx Cup points. Okay. And then we go into the Tour Championship, and all they could talk about was the $18 million. 
right? So I guess part of what I'm saying here is what do you want this to be? From a player's perspective, John Rom told us his pet peeve is the concentration of the money. He says the top players don't focus on the money. He specifically said what you just said about the major championships. They don't win a major and go, how much money did I win? They know they're going to win a lot of money, but that's not what they're doing it for. And what I'm telling you with the, with the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs, I've seen the players that don't make it to next week. I've seen the disappointment. I've seen the trunk slamming for whatever reason, however you define it. And if part of that definition is for the money that they won't be getting moving forward, these are professional athletes that get paid to move forward. So I'm okay with the fact if that's part of their motivation or primary, that doesn't bother me. So again, I go back to my, my same thing. The players care. They do care. So we've got that covered. Even though all the players, by and large, are going, I'm not sure it's, this, is, this is the perfect setup yet. Even in Rory's comments to the same, he gave an answer that was a non-answer. Right? Where he said, yeah, they're basically two different seasons. Okay. So well, let me ask a, you a question. From, what is well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You already asked the question of sponsors and fans. Why do sponsors get involved? Why on any tour around the world is there a sponsor involved? Part of it is because of their their own hosting of their clients and clientele and their brand building and their association with the sport. I get that. Another large part of it are the impressions, are the eyeballs, are the people they reach, the message that they're putting forth. So this event, which was moved to get outside of the window that is football, still happened to slam into preseason games for football. And we have a pretty good idea what's going to happen with those. The other thing that hurt it was you had someone coming in with a huge lead. It hurts ratings when that happens. And then I think the third thing is it has kind of a strange format. Who after And they said when they put it in place, once it gets rolling, you won't think about the format anymore. Probably true. Probably true. Because I, I'm, I'm guessing that those same casual fans don't realize that Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley finished on the exact same mark of traditional scoring. So my question is, to, to focus in on what you just asked, Dom, was that when it comes to the sponsors, I'm guessing the sponsors are pretty much okay because of, because of the the stage that this whole thing is put upon it's grandiose nature in terms of how it's presented. However, to me, I don't think any of it works if they don't have the fans fully vested too. And that's where I continue to have my question. Are the fans fully vested and are they, or are they not fully vested because the event has not completely defined itself? Is it about the regular season? They're trying to carry over something from the regular season into the playoffs. Is it then about the playoffs either taking over independently or some combination thereof? It's all those things, right? As far as somebody wrote in and said, yeah, they want the stars to hang around. Of course they want the stars to hang around because that butters the bread of all the things we just talked about. But it's a playoff, and you you just like it when the old traditional match play. It's why they went to round robin when they when they had it. You run the risk that the, the stars get knocked out early. It can happen. I go, I get, you're going to have that same risk with the, with the FedEx Cup playoffs if you truly make it, as Rory said, its own season. 
right? Because they have it structured points-wise where presumably it's the stars that get in. But then they have to hold on and continue to progress. So I'm just, look, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think the formula is complete yet. Go ahead, Don. Uh, a lot of people are talking about match play. That's what they're. That's what they're saying. They're saying a match play format would allow for more aggressive play and excitement. The top players would love it. The format is an attempt to get eyeballs, major risk. Um, have we got a match play event in twenty four? Raffles said we do not. Now, uh, Jay Monahan has said, and I think it's on record public at this point that. They're not anticipating a match play event will be gone forever. I think Jay at one point said we will have a match play event on the calendar, but it is not on the calendar next year right now because of all the moving parts. You've got this PIF entity, lives involved. They're trying to figure out how to make everybody happy with the money. And so currently there is no match play event. But I, I know that a lot of the people here are, who are commenting about match play and, and you know possibly – having that be what determines the tour championship winner in the FedEx cup. The problem with match play, in my opinion, Matt, is what you just alluded to, which is you can't have, you can't have your cake and eat it too. If, if you want match play, fine, but you are going to end up every other year, every third year, every fourth year with two guys at the end that absolutely nobody cares about. And the ratings will tank off the planet and nobody will be happy. The fans won't be happy. The sponsors will be pissed. The TV ratings will be crap. And that's what's going to happen if you have match play. Now, you might get lucky. Maybe you get Rory versus Rom one year, and it's like this epic battle that becomes legendary that's replayed for 20 years. But if you want that, you have to take you, – again, you can't have it needed too. You're going to have a ha- you're gonna have some really crappy years. So I don't I – don't, I'm, I'm just saying that's what it is. I don't know if that's good or bad, Matt. Maybe that is the answer, but – you're not going to be able to get – I think what the sponsors want is they want eyeballs. They want ratings. They want consistent rock star ratings every year. But yeah, but you can you, – there isn't a format that's going to guarantee that. This is live right. sport. Sometimes there's an underdog that wins. Sometimes stuff happens, and that's going to happen every week. That's what happens with live sports. That's yeah, what but we, the, that's see, what we Dom, all the, up the thing. The thing that keeps going back through my mind, because you said it at least twice already, was you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Well, that's exactly what the PGA Tour has always wanted. I mean, that is why they're, they're structuring the, the signature events the way that they are, to have their cake and eat it, too. Because we know that the things that you're talking about Andrew, can in you put terms the signature of— signature event up just for next year so they've got a list when Matt's talking, they can reference it? The things that you're talking about in terms of— eyeballs, interest, passion comes down to those big names. Which is the reason why you're going to have a limited field, no cut event. So that they can say to said sponsor and thus to the the public at large, oh yeah, we're going to have all the big stars there. We're going to have them there. Again, I'm on record saying I do not like that they're limited fields, no cut. To me, on some level, I think it violates the, the essence of competitive golf at that level when you could have a full field. They easily could do it. 
and you'd have the the Eric Coles of the world. Now, will somebody in a bar look up from their their pint and their meal and go, oh, this is interesting? Or are they going to look up and go, I don't know who that is, playing against somebody that they might not know who that is, and they go, I'm, I, I check out. I'm not interested. Or if they're at home, they flip past it with the remote. So that is the cake and eat it, too. That, that's the problem, in essence, with all of this, is that to solve the, the solutions are not that complicated. Even the idea of the match play that people are floating around, which I think is awesome. I would love to see it conclude with match play. Maybe over the 36, the final 36 holes, whittle it down in, in match play. I think that'd be fantastic. But there's a huge risk there. Even in a limited field, there's a huge risk that the two people could be people that people go, eh. Like as much as we love uh, Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley, were those two big enough stars to cause a blip this weekend for people to watch? Was the, was the difference between where Victor Hovland was and Xander Shoffley, even when it got down to three strokes, was that too big a lead for anyone to go, yeah, this, this is starting to become a, a competition here? In essence, almost head-to-head match play? We'll know. The ratings are going to tell us how engaged or unengaged people are, even though nowadays when you hear anything about ratings from any source whatsoever, it's so convoluted and there's so many other figures that they, that they put in there, it's hard to figure out what something really was. It's amazing what's going on with all of that stuff too. So that's all I'm saying. I just, I think, I like the concept. I like the idea of it ending. I'm trying to figure out if the ending that they have to the season right now is one that people are vested in, are interested in, if they feel like it means something. Uh, I remember a, a number of years ago, uh, Rory McIlroy, who's won it three times, saying, oh, someday this is going to mean something. Someday when you, when you look at someone's career and you go, they won X amount of majors, right? Maybe they're going to say they won X amount of signature events. I don't know about that. That's, that's a huge leap to me. But... Along the way, they might say, yeah, Xander Shoffley won a gold medal in the Olympics. And maybe they're going to say they won X amount or they won the, the players. Or maybe they're going to say they won the, the FedEx Cup. They, they, the top players seem to think that it's going to have that kind of cachet someday. I just don't think it has it yet. And I think trying to figure out how someone wins it, again, I just don't know what it all means. That's what my big question is. I'm trying to sort that out in my mind. Do, the, do you guys, as fans, care? Does it mean something to you? At the end of the season, as the fields start to whittle down and get smaller and smaller, are you vested in that? That's my question. And, and, I, and I don't think it's insulting anybody, and there's no wrong answer to it, but I think it, it provides a basis of going, okay, well, maybe there's something more that needs to be done here. But, yeah, Dom, I, I don't think you meant to do it, but you absolutely nailed it when you said you said you can't have your cake and eat it too, and I think that's precisely what they're attempting to accomplish because those constituencies that you broad brush laid out are the constituencies that you're trying to find reasons for each one of them to be interested and to be vested. And now that we're in this kind of call it a modern age of golf and it came about because of the turbulent waters that golf has been in for the last year and a half where players are now expressing their opinion, which I happen to love. Well, I think golf for so long, this is, 
Go ahead, Don. Finish your thought. I was just saying that golf for so long has been whitewashed. There was an image that was projected, and if you spoke out, you paid a penalty for it, sometimes literally. And now we're in a world of golf where people are way more willing to give us their opinion unvarnished, which I welcome. I like. I want to hear that. It may make you like or dislike somebody, but who cares? They're giving us their honest opinion. And in some sense, I kind of say for once. There's nothing wrong with with these athletes being human beings. There's nothing wrong with this being a sport that is is not infallible. That can adjust. Go ahead, Don. I'll read a couple couple more comments and then I'll give you a thought that I had and I'll be curious what you think. Uh, Jay Hawker says, I want it to be straight competition for the prize. No advantage to anybody. You made the playoffs. That's enough. David says, what were the ratings compared to the majors? David, we don't have the ratings yet for the tour championship, but they will be lower than the major championships. They always are. The major championships get, aside from the open, which is a little finicky because of the time zone issues, but typically, you know, a major is going to get anywhere from five, six, seven, eight. You know, sometimes the Masters will get nine or ten million people to watch. Uh, I'm guessing, if I'm guessing, Matt, I'm guessing that this weekend probably got in the three to four million range, which is a little bit higher than a traditional PGA Tour event. Cindy says, match play is terrible for TV. Two groups on Sunday, even I can't watch that. Paul says, the FedEx final is not not even close enough to being a major championship. Strider says, so what? How many... How many times in the NFL, the NBA, or NCAA have you have teams that aren't the most marquee making it to the final? Kevin says match play is exactly what all the other sports do. Paul says they killed the match play event. Another mistake. I wouldn't say that they killed it. I would say that currently it is not on the schedule next year. Based on everything we know and have heard, they are anticipating if they're not adding one next year, yeah, he's the right, following he's year right. they'll have a match play event. They killed it. It doesn't exist. It, maybe they're going. You're just saying that they may right have now. one down the road. They don't have one now. He's right. All right, fair enough. Uh, there's a lot of people asking for the Shell World Series of Golf to come back. Um, I have enjoyed the playoffs for the past couple of years. Raffles says. The one thing I will say, which isn't completely tied into what I was just reading. I'm just almost curious what you think is do you think this is a bit of a tangent and maybe this is something we talk about in the next segment but do you think that the PGA Tour or that golf in general has a marketing problem because they're constantly talking about growing the game. They're constantly talking about you know we're talking right now about how do you get people to care right? I think that on the whole at least in the last 10 years Golf has been very sectioned off. It's very difficult to get access. It's very difficult to get behind the scenes. It's very difficult to get to know the top 50 players in the world as people. What's going on in their lives? What does it look like behind the ropes? Access has always been an issue, and it's always been at arm's length. And if you look at other sports, like the NBA, like the NFL... If you look at something like Hard Knocks on HBO, which is extremely successful, essentially it is just full on. It's not even behind the scenes. It's just full access. They just have cameras absolutely everywhere. Cursing, fighting, all of it, everything. You see everything. And then, you know, they edit it a little bit to show you the the story they want to show you. But the reality is you're getting full access. 
And that gets people like my wife, who's a huge Aaron Rodgers fan, is now watching the Jets on HBO's Hard Knocks, and she doesn't give a crap about football. And now she's engaged in NFL product. And Netflix launched this full swings documentary for golf. I'll be curious what kind of an impact that might have long term. But my, my point, Matt, is, or question, is do we need a lot more of that? Do we need a ridiculous amount of behind-the-scenes access and getting to know these players? Because if you want to sell the person on the street who doesn't watch golf, Max Homa, as a superstar... We need to get to know Max Homa. We need hours of footage of Max Homa. I want to see one-on-one with him nonstop. I want to get to know what's his day like. Let me see his workout. What is he eating? Who is he hanging out with? What's he watching on TV? If you do those things, I think it's much more likely that a casual person on the street, is, if you're marketing that way, is going to say, oh, Max Homa, I heard about this guy. He's obsessed with watching Game of Thrones. I love Game of Thrones. Let's see how he's doing this Sunday in the thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I making sense? Yeah, uh, but what you're what you're basically saying is you're reiterating what what I've been already saying that that golf has for decades now uh, attempted to manipulate the message, and you'll see it in a lot of different ways. That you know, golf doesn't release anything about discipline or violations with players just doesn't happen. So it's, it's all about controlling the image of who and what golf is. Uh, And as we have seen over the last say 18 months, that the fight between live and the PGA tour started to rip open that facade. And the fact that a lot of players started to speak their mind also opened up a lot of the things that were actually going on behind the scenes that none of us fully ever knew about or realized. So the game is changing on account of the things that are taking place. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, and I'd like to see more of it to tell you the truth. So like when you're talking about the, the full swing series that was on Netflix from the people that I talked to, and I would call them anywhere from core to casual golf fans, by and large, they liked that series because it, it was a behind-the-scenes glimpse. I think it's, it was only the tip of the iceberg. I still think it was too safe. Right? And I, I realized how it was because you, because you still had people peering over your shoulders. I, I think it was too safe. It didn't give us enough of that unvarnished look that you're looking for, Don. We still didn't get to know the players enough. The places that we did stood out in that show. Was that because of a production decision? Uh, Was it because Brooks Koepka wasn't a part of the PGA Tour anymore by the time it aired? So they weren't worried about giving it to us from Brooks Koepka from his heart? That was an impactful show. There were other elements of that show that that were very superficial. Some of the experts that they had on there and, and the and the comments that they made and the opinions that they expressed were just wrong. I get why they're doing it. You're trying you're trying to project an image of uh, you know youthful image and all the rest. That's okay, but you have to make sure that the comments that you make uh, are actually correct. One of them that they were factually incorrect on is to talk about you know, a break in the game of golf, and we've never seen anything like this before. In the 1960s, the PGA Tour itself was a breakaway tour. 
But again, that was ancient history, so no one knew apparently knew about that. That, but that was that's a major mistake to make when you're when you're talking about something like that. So uh, that was there was there were reasons for issues with the show, and I'm hoping that it improves in the second season. By and large, I think it was a success. I just l- would like to see it continue to not be held back by the same things that have held back uh, our our exposure and our ability to see behind the scenes. Right with with the new series, are are they going to focus on on live? Are they going to focus on a couple of players there too? Are we truly going to get a full picture of what's going on in the world of golf, or is this only about one side? You know, let us know. Let let it be real. I guess that's the only thing that I would say to, to all of that. So, you got anything else, Don? Before we move on, no. I mean, we could do this all day. People are continuing to come in. I mean, you know, we can move on. There's plenty of other things we can talk about, and we've got the whole week to do it. But I, I think it's a fascinating conversation. I also, I, my, my final parting words would just be, golf, and, and this is something you've said to me over the years, Matt, many times, which is golf's pie as a whole, like the fans, right? It doesn't tend to grow dramatically year over year. It sort of is what it is, and the people who watch this and play that kind of move around within the pie. Is it the worst thing in the world that we don't have the same ratings as the NFL? Do we even want that? We'll probably never have that. So what? I'm happy. Aren't you happy? There's lots of golf to watch. <laughs> there is, but that, that's part of the scenario of what you were laying out there, and there is a, a very, very important constituency, and that's the rights holders that want that to grow. They very much want that to grow, and that influences and impacts everything else and every other decision, which includes discussions about match play. You have that discussion, I guarantee you, you're going to have people around the table, and their eyes are going to roll and go, oh, match play, because they know the risk. Yeah, but see, that's the problem, Matt. If that's their mindset, if their mindset is, let's get to the NBA and NFL ratings, they're delusional. That is not possible. Like, well, I don't, what, there's, there, there's not a discussion here. We will never have the same ratings as the NFL, period, full stop, ever. It's not going to happen. doesn't matter what they do. They could have Tiger and Roy have a fist fight. It wouldn't get the same ratings. It, it's just not going to. It's not going to. So it's, it's delusional for the people to be sitting around some boardroom saying, what can we do to make, to make you know, those numbers? Why can't they just be satisfied with improved improvements or making a changes and getting – Solid ratings. I don't understand. You really think they, they think they can reach those numbers, Matt? Uh, no, obviously, they, they're not going to reach the numbers that you're talking about. I don't think there's anybody uh, suggesting that. But they want to grow the numbers as much as they can. And then from their side, you have to look at it and go, well, look at the pressure that's upon these rights holders because they're paying more and more money. There's a lot of dough flowing into this thing. If you, if you look at the rights holders, think about how... It, this could have been another wrinkle if the rights had not been locked down for as long as they are. 2030, if I'm not mistaken. If in the middle of what's happened in the last year and a half with the, with the you know lightning bolts amongst the, the golfing gods, can you imagine if they had in the middle of all that trying to renegotiate rights? So it's what's happening at large. This is a whole nother discussion. 
but what's happening at large with sports rights is a huge, huge subject. What's happening at large with how people are consuming their entertainment, whether it's sports or otherwise, is a huge subject because so many people are cutting the cord. So many people are unplugging. People are starting to a la carte. So if you have sports leagues that are used to presenting things by going, uh, this is the way you consume it because this is the way we present it, where you have consumers at large going, no, no, no. I'm going to consume what I want to consume the way I want to consume it. When, where, why, and how. So the one thing that is holding, it's a huge anchor to what they call linear television. Still, it's live sports. That's kind of holding it together. Because other than that, people are going, now I'm going to pick and choose what I want, where I want it, and when I want it, how I want it. It's fascinating. Right? My, my two boys hardly watch a regular television, a regular flat screen now. They watch, they get what they get on their phones. It's, it's changing so dramatically, and they're trying to keep up with all of that stuff. It's, it's really fascinating. It really is fascinating. Uh, I do want to get to a couple of winners uh, this week in the world of golf. Uh, one of them had, had uh, direct impact in terms of that leaderboard, had direct impact on the Solheim Cup team and the Ryder Cup team. We're going to talk about that a lot more as the, the week progresses. I doubt we're going to get much time to talk about it, uh, particularly today, but we will over the next couple of days uh, because you're going to have picks coming in by the respective captain. Stacey Lewis... For Team USA, we'll announce her three captains' picks today at noon Eastern time. Uh, on the European side, the European team, as of the 22nd, is locked down. The Ryder Cup team, Team USA, Zach Johnson will announce his six captains' picks tomorrow. That will be at 9 a.m. Central time, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, that will be at the home of the PJ of America in, in Frisco, Texas, where he will make that decision. The European side, Luke Donald will announce his six captain's picks on Monday, September 4th. That'll be 2 p.m. UK time. That is 9 a.m. Eastern time, and that will be following the conclusion of this week's Omega European European Masters. So it's 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 going to have an impact by and large. But the impact that was this past weekend was a couple of winners that you're going to hear from when we come back on the Fairways of Life show, which is presented in part by DeWiz Golf. Log on to DeWizGolf.com when you get an opportunity. If you're truly serious about wanting to know your game and change your game in ways that could never have been done before, this is revolutionary technology. Uh, It is a swing monitor, this wearable device that's based upon neuroscience that measures your golf swing in real time and space. Think about all this that I'm telling you so that feel can be real. And once you get that data back, it becomes a swing modifier because it's going to give you real-time feedback on the device and on the app. You can know your game like you've never known it before. You have to check it out, thewizgolf.com. And I wanted to tell you this. You know, as you guys know, we just got back from our listeners' trip up to Boyne in northern Michigan, which was awesome. And both with DeWiz, which I have saw a lot of people with the device or told me that they have the device or they're going to order the device, which is cool. But the PXG promotion, 
Dom, I'm not sure how many people you heard from. I heard from quite a few that if you at pxg.com or call 844-PLAY-PXG, you bring your driver, your gamer, to PXG, they will fit you and then test you with your driver against the new Gen 6 driver. And if your driver outperforms the Gen 6, they give you a $100. Comes on a prepaid credit card. I'm thinking to myself, how possibly could you lose in that deal? So I had all kinds of, of people that were on the trip, all the, the different fans in the trip, all kinds of them come up to me and tell me that they've done it. Uh, probably 8 out of 10 got better performance from the Gen 6, which doesn't really, I don't think that should surprise anybody because it's a brand new driver. But a couple liked the performance, got better performance from theirs. And one guy, uh, Isle of Man, Dom, said he didn't take the $100. I was like, what are you, crazy? Why not? And he said, I got fit along the way. He said, I felt like I got more than the value. They didn't have to. So he told the guy, don't give it to me, (laughs) which I thought was interesting. (laughs) But you can't take advantage of it. PXG.com or call 844 play pxg so when we come back you're going to hear from a couple of winners you know what we'll talk a little bit more about point two and in, in, in retrospect of what was a, a great deal of fun more the fairways of life show coming up i guess hello world huh <laughs> and with one subtle hello tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. This is the whiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The whiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The whiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! (laughs) Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. What if we started a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, 
Nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary 3-in-1 design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart. The decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Monday. Hope you guys are doing well. The CPKC Women's Open. That's a women's uh, Canadian Open, but it's now called the CPKC Women's Open. And Megan Kang was able to hold on and etch her victory and kind of assert herself on so many different levels. Here's a quick look of the win. Day she kicks it down. Megan Kang wins her first LPGA title at the CPKC Women's Open in dramatic fashion. In dramatic fashion, indeed. So Megan Kang, who had the lead, kind of got a little wobbly in the middle and then charged on at the end and was able to secure her victory. She will be a part of the United States Solheim Cup team. Uh, This is Megan Kang addressing the media following that victory. Megan Kang. Megan, you are now an LPGA Tour winner. I want to start off with how does that feel? It feels like it hasn't even sunk in yet. Honestly, I was kind of stressing the whole day, um, even the past two days. And, you know, I relied pretty heavily on Jack. And, you know, to at the end of the week to be on top, it's it's huge. And, like, the the feeling just hasn't really sunk in. So hopefully it, it does soon. <laughs> <laughs> what was the game plan from the start today? How did you stick to that routine you talked about yesterday? You know, it was uh, it was tough today. I I knew in my head I had a three-shot lead. You know, you, you don't really think about results, but, of course, you want to get the win at the end of the day. Uh, it took a little longer than, you know, regulation to, to get it done, but, you know, Sayoung was kind of kind of pushing me the whole day, and I was trying not to, to think about what she was doing, but, I mean, I couldn't help it. I think at one point we were only, like, one shot apart, and on on 16 I looked at the leaderboard and I saw I was, like, tied with Jin Young, and I was like, oh, yeah, got got a couple of people to worry about. And at the end of the day, you know, Jack was kind of reassuring me, like, hey, let's do our own thing because we can't control what they're doing. Before I open it up to the wonderful people in this room, I got to ask about the playoff. What were the, were there any nerves? What were the feelings as you got ready to go back through 18? There were definitely nerves. Um, I, I was shaking signing my scorecard. I, I triple checked that scorecard to make sure, you know, everything was correct and we did sign. Um, you know, I was very thankful to have some friends out there who were right there kind of telling me I, I got this and that they're there for me. And, you know, it's always nice when you have that kind of friendship out here on tour. Um, that playoff, I just kind of, I try to stay in my own little world. I, I didn't even know where Jin Young had hit her tee shot. I was just trying to, you know, keep my head down and, and try to stay in the moment and, you know, not, not get ahead of myself. All right, we'll open it up for questions in here. If you have a question, please let Mike know with the microphone. If you are on the Zoom, please let me know in the chat function of this call so I can call on you to unmute. But we'll start over here with Adam. Hey, Megan, congratulations. 
Um, I'm curious about the maybe the self-talk after the bogey on 17, and then get it coming on to the 18th tee. What was what was that like? Obviously, you you've talked a lot about talking to your caddy about uh, anxiety and situations like that. But um, what was it like walking from 17 green to 18, and and what was kind of the game plan there on 18? I mean, I I took a extra second on 17 green after I missed that that par putt, and I took a deep breath, and you know. Not knowing what Jin Young was doing uh, ahead on 18, I didn't know if she had hit it close for birdie or if she was making par or even bogey. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, being in like the one thing I had to do uh, first off was like if I'm going to give myself a chance to try to even force a playoff, I got to hit the fairway. And so, again, just going back to like focusing on the task at hand, not getting ahead of myself, and just try to really take it one shot at a time. Um, I heard a roar in the fairway when Jin Young made a putt, and I had no clue what it was for. Um, but at the end of the day, again, I was like, hey, if I make birdie and she happened to par, or even if she birdie, you know, she she played a great round. She definitely, I mean, those pins were tough today. Of course, conditions were tough. Everyone knows that it's a final round, and there's a lot at stake. But, you know, walking up, I knew, hey, give it a birdie chance, and, you know, can't say I didn't try. Um, obviously, you've been close before. Uh, this is your first LPGA Tour title, and of course, any when that happened, it would have been exciting. But this is a national open with a storied history. Does that make it extra special? It definitely does. You know, I love coming to Canada every year. Um, I don't think I've ever skipped this event, and I don't think I'm gonna plan to ever. Yeah, even more now. Um, but no, I mean, it's just it's an incredible feeling. You know, there's so much history that goes on behind this tournament, and. You know, Lori Kane is such a, a great mentor. I saw her this week, and, you know, she just said, go do your thing out there, kid. And, you know, it's pretty cool having one of the Canada great, Canadian greats out there, you know, just kind of hanging around and, you know, feel free to talk to her about any kind of tips and, you know, how to calm down. So it's, it's pretty cool, and, you know, the crowds are very welcoming. The, the people are great. And every, kind, every time we come to Canada, these golf courses are, are a challenge. All right, we'll go over here. Yeah, over here, Megan. Um, you're on the 72nd hole, what what was your yardage in, and have you ever hit a better shot under that much pressure in your life? Um, honestly, I feel like I kind of blacked out. Um, I want to say I, I was really mad that I had bogeyed 17, and I smoked my drive. It, it was pretty clear that I was, I was kind of upset. I had roughly 107 front, one... 38 pin and that pin today was it was hard to get to but you know I, I had some good kind of momentum going into 18 you know every day I hit a really good shot in and I got a birdie yesterday on 18 and again I needed I knew I needed the birdie but that's probably one of my best shots that I've hit under that kind of pressure knowing that you need a birdie to kind of force a playoff and it to make that birdie putt even the amount of stress. I know it wasn't super long, but I was very happy to put a good stroke on it because it's these greens are tough and they're fast and it all worked out. <laughs> I wonder if you could 
give us a comment on the golf course, just the kind of test it. All right, so that's uh, Megan Kang in her press conference yesterday. Congratulations on her first LPGA uh, victory. She will be on the Solheim Cup team. That Solheim Cup team will come together in its entirety today. So we're going to devote uh, a big chunk of time tomorrow to talking about the USA Solheim Cup team. We will also talk about the European Solheim Cup team. And then on Tuesday, tomorrow, the United States Ryder Cup team will become complete because Zach Johnson will be making his picks, as I mentioned earlier in this program, that he'll be making those picks at 10 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. So, here, Tom, here's the question. We can, if you want to, we could go long and stay on the air, or we could start later and stay on so as the picks are happening, we could, we could share that information. Do, do you have a preference? Do you want to do one of those? Um. Ah, we can probably do something in the middle. I mean, instead of going, what do we normally go live at 8 o'clock? So tomorrow we can go live at like 9 o'clock. That'll give us some time to talk about the Solheim Cup teams because those will be in stone. The European team is done. The U.S. team is not officially done, but in the next couple hours we'll have the last three of captain's picks. But, again, we don't have to get into it, but I think those picks are almost they pick themselves. So we kind of know who's going to be on those teams. But I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Because it is interesting. Tomorrow, well, we're also, uh, we're also going to talk, too. Yeah. We, will, we will be interviewing those people as well. So I'm very much looking forward to having them on, Correct. on so the show. Do and all then, that stuff, and then that will give us time to break all that stuff down. And then when, once we wrap a bow around all that, the, right around that time, Zach will be making his picks live, and we can have live reaction with you guys. Because I think that's going to be really fascinating because there is a lot. There's, a, there's going to be some pissed-off players. And it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be also, people left on that team who deserve to be on the team because there's too many true. guys right now who should be on the team. So it's going to be a mess. I can't wait. <laughs> so we'll talk about that as well. I'll get to the uh, Tour Edge uh, Champions Tour report because it is of distinction with with what happened. There was a five putt that decided ultimately uh, there, but we'll get into that tomorrow. Uh, Todd Clements won the Czech masters. So he now too uh, will be able to carry the monitor moniker of being a winner uh, in this case on the DP world tour heroes thoughts. Obviously you know, I've dreamt of it for a long time. You know, the reason I play golf and to win that here, you know, it takes a few, some people a few years, obviously, you know, I had my luck today and managed to take it. Um, so yeah, over the moon. Yeah, massively. Me and Dan grew up playing golf together, home internationals. Um, so, yeah, a good friend of mine. And obviously, I was so over the moon to see him last week and kind of give me a belief that I can, I can do it as well. I know my game's there, and I know that I'm, I can compete at this level. So, um, yeah, absolutely over the moon. Well, I kind of had a, I missed a couple on Saturday um, late on. I knew that they, they were a little bit important because I knew the three shots out there is a tough ask. And me and Brendan said, you know, I'm playing well enough to... Uh, to get getting in amongst it, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and yeah, I obviously had a hot start and party great. I hold a great few putts out there today, and uh, yeah, over the moon. I did, yeah. Like I teed off on 15, um, and I was like, you know, I, I didn't really think about my score, and I knew I, I was going well. Um, I know me and Brendan really talk about it. You know, he helped me so much. He, you know, in terms of didn't look at score scoreboard all day and uh, until till the last. So yeah, obviously. It was an unbelievable day. Yeah, I always believe that, um, that I can compete at this level. Um, you know, that's one thing I've kind of always believed um, deep down. And to kind of obviously show it today, I was, yeah, so proud of myself. 
All right, so congratulations to Todd with his victory in his rookie season on the DP World Tour. Covered a lot of ground today, as ever. Thank you, folks, for your passion and your input. I, I know the discussion boards are going crazy, and Dom tries to get to whatever he can to share all of that with you, and we will continue down that path tomorrow. We have a lot to go through with you. We are thinking about those in the path of this, what was originally talked about as a tropical storm. Now they're talking about it, uh, Andrew, what the last, last uh, look, uh, maybe a, hitting as a Category 3. Uh, coming off the Gulf into it looks like it's going to hit the Florida Peninsula, but we're waiting for more information on that. We'll share it with you as we progress. And we'll we'll talk. Uh, Dom got a lot of fun pictures and stories from the Boeing trip, too. If we have time tomorrow, we'll touch on that today. Obviously, we ran out of it today because we were talking about uh, so many really cool subjects. Have a great day. Have a great Monday. Great start to your week, folks. Uh, be careful out there. Be nice to each other until we are together again. Uh, farewell. Bye for now.